275 of Taking the Charge podcast with you from Regensburg, Germany. I'm David Hine of High News. Thank you for stopping by. So we are uh, really just a few days before Christmas. Kind of uh, crazy how quick uh, December kind of passed along. And uh, um, we are at the end of the month, basically, and looking forward to Christmas and New Year's and everything else that uh, goes along with that for some of you. Uh, 2017 was a great year for for some 2017 is uh happily uh at the end of it and looking forward to 2018 whatever whichever case you may be um hope that uh, 2018 is a positive year for y'all i guess uh, we will have uh one more podcast before next year um and uh but uh before i go too much further uh want to let you get in I want to let you you know how you can get in contact with the show. You can go to Twitter and find me at High News, H-E-I-N-N-E-W-S. There's the website, highnews.com. You can reach me uh, by email at highnews at gmx.de, highnews at gmx.de. There's the Facebook group, just put in the search bar, taking the charge podcast, and you will find that. And uh, you can go to iTunes, rate and review the show, and you can become a supporter a Patreon, go to patreon.com slash taking the charge and you can support the show. It would be great if you keep this endeavor alive. All right. Um, actually, quite a few talking points this week and I just kind of want to talk a little bit, a bit, a little bit. Uh, I know a few weeks ago we had uh, uh, Oz, uh, former co-host, Oz Davis, former longtime co-host, uh, Oz Davis, and obviously he's a big Lakers fan and and uh, we saw Kobe Bryant get two numbers, two two numbers retired, which I great player and all, but uh, having two numbers retired, I just think it was kind of uh, strange. Uh, I think it would have been. I think uh, I don't know really how you resolve it. Uh, maybe decide have him decide which one he wants. And uh, and uh, I mean, if if he says club decides, then. You know, maybe just pick 24 since that was the last one. I don't know how you resolve it. It just seems kind of strange that one player with with two numbers, um, you know, you know, <laughs> you know, like I said, great player and, and you know, deserves to be up there. But uh, I, I'm not going to say it sets precedent because, you know, somebody else could do that because it's kind of uh, kind of a strange phenomenon, just the fact that he that he, you know, changed his number. I, I would if I'm the organization I kind of just say hey man just you know we want to honor you and everything else but just pick one so uh, here in Europe uh, there was uh, a couple of uh, Luka Doncic highlights first of all there was the crossover double crossover and Victor Claver and uh, you know I was talking to 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 one of the media people uh, at Euroleague and just trying to you know it, it, Reyes. 
Doncic did the double crossover and, and passed it to to Reyes. If you haven't seen it, uh, go check it out because it's it's pretty pretty fantastic. Um, and he passed it to Reyes, and Reyes put it in. And, and I asked him, I said, you know, hey, you know, <laughs> do you use the highlight if Reyes actually doesn't make the shot? And you know, it's it's a it's a hard uh, it's a hard one to figure out. You know, it, it is so spectacular. Um, but it's, you know, so many times you have a, you know, what do you think would be a great alley open and, and he doesn't connect, doesn't, you know, throw it down for the slam, you know, which would have been fantastic or, you know, just so many great highlights that in the end, you know, you don't get it. And so, you know, but the, the double crossover is just so fantastic. You're kind of wondering, you know, what do you do? So, I mean, luckily for, for everybody, the highlight ended with a made basket. Um, and then also there was the. I don't know, three quarter, four fifth court uh, heave from Doncic, and you know it's like, you know, why not? He does everything else, so let's let you know does that too. And then on the other hand, you know, you have a little bit of sense that you know, he's still only eighteen, and and sometimes, you know, rarely um, has uh, has little outbursts of emotions that he might not be able to control. I mean, it's not a problem at all. Uh, where he was ejected in the in the in this um, this week's game, I can't even remember who they were playing. Maybe Valencia, and uh, you know he gets ejected and 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 walk off, and he comes back and talks to the ref, and it's not something you want to see, and it's it's not a concern for anybody. You know, if you're thinking NBA, you know GMs, and and you know he's still only 18, and the things that he's doing is are amazing, and so you 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 kind of just look past it and just say, you know, it's fine. Um, heading over, you know, I, I never, I, I guess I just don't really watch enough NBA and, and I hate all these, these nicknames. Um, and some of them I, I, I don't understand. I didn't even, I, I, there was news about Isaiah Thomas that he might go play some G league games. And, um, I didn't even know that his nickname was IT4, and I was like, and I saw IT4 might go play some G League games, and and, and it was the Cavs. I'm like, who the, who is who is IT4? And I, that's just, a, I mean, okay, he's number four, and his name's Isaiah Thomas and stuff, but it just seems that IT4 just is a very strange nickname. Um, but you know, it's you think he's 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 basically on the way back and uh and you know the Cavs have been playing pretty good basketball and and now they're they're going to be that much better when he when he gets worked into the system so um IT4 <laughs> sorry about you know I just I hadn't I didn't even know it I had no clue that that was his nickname CP3 I know that's Paul and uh the beard and I just don't like any of these nicknames just you know but you know whatever it's I'm 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 the old grumpy guy. So, um, elsewhere in this in the states, finish off with one one more thing from the states. You know, we saw uh, Trey Young at Oklahoma. Uh, haven't really started watching much basketball yet, but uh, noticed that uh, hard not to notice. Um, the freshman put up 26 points and 22 assists uh, against Northwestern State, uh, and that 22 assists was um uh, tied an NCAA record. He's averaging, he's averaging ten point two assists. That was his fifth game of more than ten assists. And uh, you know he's he's averaging 
38% from three-point range. He had a 43-point game against Oregon where he made 17 of 18 free throws and shooting 86% from the free throw line. You know, you, you're looking at some of these guys that are, you know, sort of putting them, putting their names out in front uh, of the draft class for 2018. You know, Duncic, you know, we mentioned Duncic, uh, Beasley at Duke. Uh, you know, Young is, is you know, if – the way what he's doing now, which you know, you're thinking, you know, it's getting up there. He's if he keeps playing the way he's playing, and there's, there's no reason why he shouldn't continue. Uh, it should be impre- pretty impressive. You know, it was a little bit disappointing that we couldn't see him last. You know, this past summer he played for the United States at the um, F- uh, FIBA Americas U18 Championship in 2016, and so would have been available. You know, would have been eligible. Let's say for the two, for the under nineteen World Cup in 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 Cairo. Um, you know, but you know, you look at some of the guys. You know, you look at some of the guys that didn't play. You know, Fultz wasn't there. Porter wasn't there. Bamba wasn't there. Jared Allen wasn't there, and um, and Trey Young wasn't there. So you know, I mean, you, you think that you know they were they ended up losing to. They ended up losing to Canada in the semifinals, but. You look at some of the guys that that weren't there, and you see kind of why, at least a little bit of a reason why they didn't. Of course, Canada did have to win that game, but uh, you look and see at some of the guys that weren't there, and you know, I think a little bit that might be a, a reason why. Um, come over to Europe, and and, and actually, um, shortly after the New Year, from the fifth to the eighth, fifth uh, to the seventh, sorry, of January, there's the uh, Hospitalet the first stop of the Adidas Next Generation tournament for the EuroLeague, the club competition, and I'll be over, I'll be there in Spain to, to follow that. And so it was nice to see some of, um, a couple of those teams playing at the Tourneo, um, Tourneo T- uh, Tenerife in, um, in Spain over the weekend. Got to see Real Madrid, got to see Barcelona, the Academy, which is the, he, they won't actually be playing, um, but, uh, uh, that's the CBA Canaries Basketball Academy. They now they call themselves the Academy. Stella Azura was there. Uh, USK was there. Um, so, but the final ended up being uh, the final ended up being Barcelona and Real Madrid, and it's a great game. If you want to go back and watch it, it's on YouTube. Basket Contera um, does a great job, always you know broadcasting that Spanish stuff. And it was just a fantastic game, Barcelona and uh, Real Madrid. Um, you know, Barcelona, you know, have a, you know, just a, a trio of, of fantastic young players. You have, uh, Luka Samanich, who ended up being the MVP. Um, Tom Tigbu, who's, uh, you know, you think he's gonna be playing for France, I would imagine. Um, he tried to get a Spanish passport and uh, before his 16th birthday, it didn't work out. And, um... And then you have Nikola Zizic, a fantastic young player for from from Montenegro, and and that big three. You know, you also had um, Borja Fernandez and and, and Titic, who who played a couple of uh, who did some things, and uh, and and they ended up winning. Uh, Samanich, fantastic game, hit some huge threes, uh, but but you know it wasn't just a big three by any stretch. Uh, and then at the other hand, you have Real Madrid. You know, you look at. You look at Mario Nakic. You look at Melvin Puncer from from uh, Nakic is uh, Nakic is from from uh, Nakic's 
Croatian, Serbian. What can't, I actually I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Um, Pantsar is, is is Swedish. Amarsila uh, and just a, a f- sort of a freakish uh, athletic uh, Senegalese kid, Usman Garuba, uh, who's actually two years younger, still two years younger, uh, two thousand two born. Um, you also have Golden Golden Dike. You have Kareem Quili. Uh, Sigma Samars is Slovenian. Um, you have Harry Ter Nalamulume. Nala uh, is an athletic big, and so it's it's a deep team, you know. And I'd say actually both those teams, Barcelona and Real Madrid, would be you know at least strong contenders for the uh, ANGT title. Uh, come May in uh, Belgrade, so where the early final four is taking place next next year. So if you want to, like I said, if you want to go back, uh, check it out. It's, it is a good game, Barcelona Real Madrid, and um, it's on Basket Cantera. Uh, go check it out. All right, uh, let's move to the interview of the week. Um, there was another bit of news this past week uh, out of Germany, and it was that um, Science City Jena, uh, which is, I'd still say, an emerging club. Um, there's, a, there's a lot of interesting aspects to this club, and we'll kind of get, get into that. Um, they gave a permanent contract, uh, an open-ended lifetime contract, however you want to you know, specify it, to their 35-year-old head coach, Bjorn Harmsen. And Bjorn Harmsen actually ten years ago, um, uh, yeah, ten years ago, two thousand seven started uh, the two thousand seven two thousand eight season with Jena uh, as the, and as a twenty five year old and the youngest um, youngest head coach in in Bundesliga history. And uh, now he has a he hasn't been he hasn't he wasn't with Jena the entire time we talk about this um, and but now he's back there I think this is his fourth or fifth year and uh, the club has given him a a permanent contract a lifetime deal and uh, and uh, so had to had to talk to him you know just to kind of get his thoughts about this and and, and you know, like I said there's there, there's enough interesting aspects to his life and and so that's why I figured uh, I'd get bring him on. Uh, so without further ado, here's my interview with uh, Bjorn Harmson. Enjoy it, and uh, we'll catch you on the other side. So uh, on the show this week, uh, we have uh, Bjorn Harmson. Uh, Bjorn, uh, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you for having me. Um, I guess uh, you know we'll we'll we'll, uh, we'll come to you know one of the main reasons why um, why I wanted to talk to you. Um, you know, for the show, but I, th- I think there's other, I think there's a, I think your story is good enough, uh, is, is definitely good enough to, you know, that there's, that there's, um, there's a reason why people should get to know you a little bit outside of Germany and, and, and whatnot. Um, and so I guess, I guess maybe let's just first kind of start off with, um, you're, you're from Göttingen. Yes. Um, and, and you were actually born in probably the greatest basketball time for you know in history in Göttingen. Um, you, know, you were born in 82 you know that was 
you know, they had won the ASC uh, 1846 Gaping the club there. They they won yes. they won in 79-80, and then they won again in 82-83, 83-84, three seasons, you know, three German championships yeah. in a whatever five-year span. You know, and they had, uh, you know, Wilbert uh, Alinda, among other guys. Um, yes. You know, people, you know, out there right now might know uh, Alinda's son, Louis, which I'm sure uh, is kind of strange for you starting to see those guys. But anyhow, growing up in Göttingen, um, you know, maybe maybe just talk about, you know, because people who, you know, I've lived in Germany for 20 years now, yeah. and I never experienced, like, Göttingen being a very good basketball city, you know, um, as far as, you know, being at, playing at a higher level. I guess there was a one little time there where, where John Patrick was there, you know, where they, yeah. I think, with the Euro Challenge that they won. Yeah. Um, maybe just talk about, you know, growing up and what basketball meant to you because you were in Göttingen and how that kind of helped you. Well, actually, I mean, Göttingen, you don't have any other sports than basketball. It's like not one of the typical German cities where soccer is first. And uh, I think it, it, is, it was probably because of that time, of uh, also of ASC Göttingen, but also I think in, you have a couple of cities in Germany, um, depending on the history, where basketball is the major sport. Mm, I think that's like coming, or there might be two possibilities. One is that um, uh, the U.S. Army was there after the World War, and uh, so they brought the sport, of course. And I think the other uh, possibility is that uh, there are cities where you have big universities and um, the students like this game, and so they were playing a bit more basketball. And I think Göttingen is one of these cities. So um, it's a big university. I think around 30,000 students each year, and of uh, a lot of young people and they like to play basketball and I think this is why how the tradition there started mm. so what happened to me is that uh, I, I was not really into sports and my parents they tried to take me everywhere to all kind of sports and I hated it all and then when I went from fourth to fifth grade uh, so you enter a new school and then uh, suddenly in evenings uh, all my, like back then you know you still went out in the evenings so uh, like as a kid you you did the homework and homework and then you went outside to play and uh, so all my friends they didn't have time anymore because they went to basketball practice and so I said okay now my choice is to be alone or to go there and try it out and, and then I went and uh, actually I really liked it and uh, that, that was the start of my love to this game <laughs> And and how how long did you play? Well, I I started like in fifth grade. How old was I then? Ten. And then um, what happened is that my my mother she had a she, she had a job offering uh, in uh, Thuringia. So in where, sir? Uh, in Thuringia. So in, in Thuringen. Yeah. Yeah. And they stayed there. It's close close to Weimar in a hospital. She's a doctor. And uh, then, uh, of course, for me, like, because that was when I was in seventh grade and I was really into basketball and that was all my life. And then she got the job offer and then the first half of the year she went back and forth on the, on the weekends. 
And uh, then after after the half a year, then the baby son, my parents decided that the whole family would come. And of course, I was really sad about because I had got to in basketball behind me. So we moved there in like '95, and um, there was not really basketball I mean, because of the history and the, and the former uh, GDR and. So um, it was what's difficult to play on a higher level somewhere, and the only chance to do so was in Jena, which was 30 kilometers or is 30 kilometers away from that village where we moved to. And then uh, my father drove me there twice a week to the practices, and I liked it. I was still the first half year was still uh, weekends going back to Göttingen to play the games at Göttingen with the Göttingen team with my and uh, of course that. a week there but it was not enough for me and then they had this this old like sports boarding school also where like all the uh, talented athletes from different sports went to to live there and to practice three times a day and uh, I, I really like <laughs> begged my mother to to go there and to go to boarding school and it took me two and a half years after I could convince her and then she let me go and that was the best time because I went there with 15 and I, I could play like practice three times a day uh, you know and try to see what is my limit and how far can I go but I saw of course with that amount of practices that my talent was uh, not very high you know? like I, I loved it and uh, of course like when you when you're a young kid you, you, you want to play in the NBA one day but then when you get older or when I got older then I recognized okay three times practice a day and I, I might not have the talent to play in a second or first league in Germany then it's I have to look for something else so I finished my school then there and then um, uh, I, I still played a little bit in the Regionalliga and then uh, I had when, when I finished school with 18 I had a bad accident while I was in a, in a game somebody hit me from behind and I dislocated my left shoulder and broke my foot and that was that was the end of it <laughs> and and so that was what how, how old were you then about 18 uh, 18, 19, 18 yeah 18 I didn't I did my social service then right uh -huh. back then you could choose huh, between army and social service and when I did that uh, I did it in Jena um, I was I started coaching like really young kids and um, I, I, I saw that uh, I have I have a bit talent for that and, and fun with that. Also back then when I was in Germany and Göttingen still when I was a kid I was at every practice from the men's team and, and watched Uli Funk and Mike Broderick practice and so and I was the only one so I could see or when I when I was thinking about myself then I could see that um, I like not only to play myself but also to read statistics, you know, to see players move and to understand why they are doing certain things and everything around. So when I did the social service, I started a little bit to do that coaching, but I, back then it was not really like, you know, you, you couldn't make a living out of that. I think there was maybe at that time, 2001, let's say 30 jobs in Germany, like where you got full time and, and well paid. So it changed completely to the days now, huh? but back then it was like this and so of course uh, I wanted to go to university and study and then one of my best friends, he was a player in Jena, 
he had an offer from Bamberg to go there as a professional. And then I said, okay, I mean, like, I, I want to get out of Vienna, so um, I, I might try to go to university in Bamberg and study there. And um, then we, we moved there, like, in a, we shared an apartment there. And he was playing, and I went to university. And um, well, no, I was actually I was waiting for to go to university, but then it, it was two more months before it started. And then um, I, I, I I needed some money, so I, I talked to Wolfgang Heider back then, who was the GM in Bamberg. Yeah. Uh -huh. yeah, and I asked him if uh, if he can uh, if, if he like. I mean, I was I did a bit coaching, so I wanted to continue to do that. Beside, yeah, and then he he needed somebody to like, especially for kids and so on. And then I started it, and it, it became in, in two two months it became like full time. Not from, not from the payment, but from the time. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so, and then after two months, I decided, okay, uh, uh, like, will I go now to university or try it as a coach? And I had so much fun as a coach, so I said, I I, I want to try it. And I called my mother and said, look, I don't go to university now. <laughs> I would try to be a coach. Of course, she was upset first, <laughs> and um, it took a while until she understood that, or my parents understood that this is really what I want to do. And uh, I mean, I think they were just a little bit afraid, you know, what what will be my future then? Because, like I said, there were, there were not a lot of jobs back at that time. Yeah. 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 Um. And so you actually in in Bamberg in when when Bauman was there, um, and how long how long were you how long did you sort of uh, help out how long did you serve there in Bamberg as a youth? Uh, that, was, that was just one year, and uh, oh, that, that was, was the year. year that was a full year, yeah. Uh -huh. And then I had the chance to continue there, but uh, at the same time, one of my friends who was also my youth coach when I played in Vienna. Uh, he told me that they might need somebody to be assistant in the in the first men's team, and also to coach uh, uh, some of the youth teams. And for me, back then already, it was very important to not only to be somewhere and do a job, but also like you know to 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 feel like more you know connected to it. And I thought this was the school where I went to, and this was the club that I pay, played for. So uh, I felt. It, for me, it's, it's, I would rather be in, in, in Jena, you know, to to continue there than to be in Bamberg back at that time. Uh, so I went back and then uh, Frank Menzi became the head coach there and I got his assistant and then I coached a couple of youth teams. I coached on, on each level, like really from mini to back then it was our jugend which is now under 20. And all the men's leagues as well, like from Zirksliga, Landesliga, Regionalliga, Oberliga, everything. <laughs> so, and then I was lucky at, at one point in 2007, I had, or 2006, I think, yeah, I had the chance, like, uh, it was clear Frank Menz was not continuing as the head coach, and they needed a year to, like, reduce a bit the budget, and because I was Thank coaching. You, yeah. <laughs> so if he's doing something wrong, we can fire him easily. <laughs> so you're you're 24. You're 24. Yes, yes, yes. You just turned 24, basically. Yes. Um, when you take over Yemez and yeah. the, and yeah. in the second division. Yeah. And, and then you go win. The, uh, well, I guess you yeah. know, you finish. You finish second, right? 
Well, no, we won, won the championship. We won, yeah, yeah, we won the championship. Mm-hmm. And the, and the, but the pro, the, the second, the Bundesliga, the, the sort of how it was set up was, was changed. And so you get in promotion. So, I mean, did you go into the season thinking, you know, all right, let's just go have some fun and, and, and I'll try some things <laughs> out? Or, I mean, okay, you had been with Mens already, yeah. you know, uh, what, how many years? Two? Uh, three years three, before, yeah. Three years. Three years. Mm-hmm. So, you, I mean, you knew the system and you were, you know, yeah. you knew the players and, and, and yeah. everything. So, you know, what were you kind of thinking that first year as a, you know, as a head coach? Well, first, uh, was first, I was a little bit afraid um, and thought about, like, can I handle the whole situation, you know, will the players listen to me? And, um, can I, like, what what happens if, if I'm not successful? You know, what is the end of of of, the, of, of coaching for me? But then I said to myself, oh, maybe it's like how many times in life you get a chance like this, and I have to try it out, especially since it was my club. And um, I think what we had and like, oh, let's put it like this: I was really ambitious. Also, like I told the players on the first day. Mm, we, we come here and, and our target is to move up and uh, we had a couple of experienced players back then and this is what they wanted to hear you know? they didn't want to hear yeah let's see if we finish again fifth or sixth place and back then only the first two teams moved up there were no playoffs and um, so uh, they were like they were really ambitious too and then we had a great great roles on the team like we six main players experienced players and then I brought four youth players and they knew they, they're going to play like 10 minutes and they have to spend five hours you know, be very physical aggressive and uh, I mean the roles were clear and we had we had no injuries we won all the close games I think it, it could have went also the other way huh? but uh, it worked out and mm, yeah that was a great year that's how it went. That's, yeah. that's how it happened. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The, year, the year after was bad then because the, the club, um, they, of course, the club didn't expect us to move up. And um, then when it happened, um, in, in the, that season we had maybe average budget in the second league. And then to move up to BBL, you needed, I think, like 1 million euros budget. And we didn't have a gym, we had nothing. And then. Of course, we went in there, and uh, since we had to like put a lot of money in the in the uh, environment and surrounds surroundings, um, there was not a lot of money for the team, and of course, uh, we were not able to compete on that level, not at all. Yeah. So they fired, fired me then in February. <laughs> were Were you surprised? Let's say, I mean, because if you figure your starts in whatever October, November, not October. Um, you you think it was a you think it was a a, a good a good chance for you to sh- I mean you think you had a big a long enough chance to 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 show whether or not you could do it? I think there was no chance to make it. Okay. Okay. Whoever would have done it, yeah. they could have brought Phil Jackson in there, and, <laughs> and you know, like, but also the other side, it could have been a player um, who who didn't don't understand anything from coaches. There was no chance to stay in the league for that team, um, and I think back then nobody knew, like whether from the management, nor me as a as a as a coach or anybody else, knew uh, how how uh, how much money you need and what how many 
and what kind of players you need to really compete on that level or to be able to compete. Yeah. I mean, we played with uh, half the team was still a youth team, and that was impossible. Well, what was it like? To, I mean, you're 25 yeah. years old at this point, and again, you had just turned mm -hmm. 25. Mm -hmm. You know, your birthday's in July, mid July, yeah. Yeah. and so you've just turned 25. What was that like for you? Now you're in first division. You're in, in the you know in professional you know basketball in Germany, and you know um, you know I think I, mean, I can't even remember off the top of my head who was there around in that year. But I mean, you know you had plenty of you know great coaches. You know Albert Berlin, yeah. all these great clubs, Bamberg, yeah. and, and uh, you know what, what were you what were you thinking during that year? Yes. No, for me it was like uh, to tell you honestly. I was like when I started really, really, really ambitious, and I, I, I did like this. I had this in mind. I said to myself that I, I want to be the, the youngest head coach ever in the BPL. And of course, I mean you can say that, and you don't make it, and you don't make it, but. <laughs> we made it to the BBL, and so that that is what happened. But uh, I took things also very serious, you know. So I was not thinking too much about like, oh, here I am, you know, and uh, look what I achieved. But I was always like very, um, you know, thinking a lot, like you know, of course, preparing and stuff, working a lot, and thinking what to do better, you know, and, and try to stay humble in, in these moments. So I was never satisfied, really. Never ever. So um, it was not that to say, okay, now we're in, in, in the first league and this is it. You know, I was, of course, I was very, very frustrated uh, when the season started and we lost the games. And I think we lost the first nine games or ten games. And so that was um, that was very tough you know, this this season. And. So going from the frustration and, and mm. you know, I'm sure a little bit of disappointment as well, you know, uh, that it didn't work out, and then uh, to get another chance in Pro, Pro A, then you, you move the next season to, to Mitteldeutsch and you bring them right back yeah. up uh, as well. You know, there's a there's a little bit of tradition in that club as well. You know, Hendrik Detman yeah. coached that team for, for a little bit as well. And, you know, uh, also another East German, uh, former East German team there near yeah. Leipzig. Um, you know, just maybe talk about your approach going into that after the experience that you had uh, in yeah. Vienna. Well, first I was really frustrated to get fired in Vienna and, um, because uh, I thought that I put in everything. Like I was not making a lot of money, to to be really honest. So uh, it was it was a joke, like actually. And um, but I put in a lot of effort. You know, I was we played in that tent, if you remember, and. Um, in the in the winter it was really really cold, so I went there like two hours before the practice to put up the heating and all that stuff. You know, sometimes even cleaning the floor. So I I, I was putting everything that I had in in, in this job in Vienna, and mm, so the frustration was really high, and also the the way it was communicated to me back then. Mm, so it took me a couple of weeks, you know, to get over it. Um, I was uh, start, was traveling a little bit, going to to uh, Vilnius to watch Litovas Rita's practice, and then I went to Malaga to watch Onikaha. Malaga practices. Then, uh, then they came out the the TV show Sopranos back then, so <laughs> <laughs> I watched all the episodes. <laughs> and um, no, but then I was I was still I was uh, I was a bit uh, afraid that. I, I 
couldn't get another job you know, because it was it was not much better than it was better than 2001 but not much better and you know how it is you have 18 jobs in the first league and then you have 16 in the, uh, in the second back then it was 32 huh, because north and south but that, I think that was the first play here they put yeah yeah and so it was uh, six, 18 first league, 16 in Pro A, and then uh, of course you had a couple of youth coaching jobs, and I tried to to apply for all that, but um, there came no offer. And then I talked to NBC, and then they said, "No, we have a candidate, and uh, we are almost done with the contract with with, with this candidate." And uh, so. Well, nothing was on the table, and then, like, I think three weeks later, they called me from NBC and they said, well, are you still available? And I said, yes, so, yeah, could you come over and we would like to have an interview? And then uh, this other candidate, he, I think he got another job or he couldn't get out of where he was. So we had a short talk, like one hour, and then um, they said, yes, well, like, we would continue with you. And then uh, I said, yes, I would like to to be your coach and then we started but the the um, it was it was a complete different situation than in Jena because this club they were really professional back then already and um, they still are I think that one of the most professional clubs also around and um, so the target was clear from the first day that I was there to move up back to the BBL and I think we had also like one of the Three biggest budgets there in the, in the pro A, and we could put a team together that that was deep with quality, so we could go a lot over intensity. Because back then the most pro A teams, they had like six to seven like main players, and we we put a roster with ten or eleven, I think. So we could really go high intensity, and that was, that was. Uh, I mean, it's it's always difficult, but this to win this championship there, it was much easier than the one in in uh, in Vienna before. Uh, three seasons then in in uh, in the Bundesliga, two the next mm -hmm. two with uh, Weissenfelsen, and yeah. um, head over to 2011-12 to to Gießen. Yeah. Uh, just in general, kind of looking back on that time, um, what were some of the biggest things you learned during that time? Um, well, first of all, I had to quit my job in, uh, in, at NBC because I had in the, in the second season in the BBR, I had an inflammation of my pancreas. So that was like really serious. And for me, that was maybe the biggest lesson to learn because still I was taking basketball very, very serious and like the almost only thing in life beside family and a few friends. And um, then I, when, when I got that uh, or when I diagnosed it, uh, I thought I could continue to practice and make the games, but the pain was so much. So they told me to quit, and I said, no, but I have to coach the team. And then the doctor said, look, uh, seriously, if you don't quit it, you know, you're going to pay with, yeah, with health and maybe with your life. And that was the first time that it really like, came to me and it shocked me. I was like, okay, he's right. I mean, there's something that is more important in life than basketball. 
and uh, unfortunately I had to give up then and uh, I was really tough to see from the side. Um, I think when I left Weisenfels we were like in the 13th or 14th place in the BBR and then I had to leave and I was still a little bit in touch with the players and the assistant coach who took over. But uh, the doctor told me that, uh, that I cannot do it because it stressed me too much. So I even didn't do that, so I watched only the games and then uh, of course it was tough to see the, the, my team going down. Go um, down yeah. Yeah. And I couldn't do anything. So that was hard and then, uh, but then, uh, for, I mean, for me it was good that uh, it took like I think three months and I was like, healthy again 100% and then I had the offer from Gießen. Uh, which sounded to be a good offer. Mm, I was there for interview and then uh, talking to the GM. And, like, the budget for the for the team looked alright. It was much more than at NBC before, and of course, way way more than you know before. And so I signed there. And then uh, what happened during that season was that uh, I mean, the year after. To me, when uh, Matthias Fischer was there, uh, they they showed openly that they are bankrupt, huh? and then like a couple of players left, and they moved down to the like down to the pro A. Mm. But when when I when I signed there, it all came out like during the season. It started with the, the, some of the players didn't get money on time, and um, we couldn't drive with big bus anymore to the games, and. Mm. A lot of stuff happening around um, that, of course, influences the mm, the performance of the team. No? And then uh, it was tough for us because it, it didn't came out in public, so uh, the club first kept it for itself. Um, it was not communicated, and of course, um, I mean, we 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 lost the, the last decisive game in, at Hagen. Mm -hmm. yeah. and. I mean that was really tough because like the whole year was tough with all the surroundings and also to to lose this game and then I decided although like I I I, I before I knew that that how, how bad the money situation there was and how big the debts were still I, I signed another contract with them and then after that after the you know in the summer we decided both that we don't or step down from the contract. It doesn't make any sense. And uh, there was also a good decision, like not not basketball wise, but life wise for me, because I decided then after that to take a year off. And um, like when when you're a professional basketball coach, you well, let's put it this way: I was asking myself, "Where's my home?" Because when you move around and. And you get a flat from the from the from the club, and you get a car, and um, you know. But in the summertime, where do you go, and where's where's your home? And uh, so I decided, like, I worked a couple of years, and uh, I want to make myself a home somewhere, and put my furniture in there, and have a place where I can <laughs> go also on, on the weekends off or in the summertime. So I bought a small apartment in Berlin back then, and. Um, Took me some time to find something, and then I lived there for a year. It was important for me to to be in a city where you that is a bigger city with with good basketball, and um, there was only really uh, Munich and uh, Berlin possible at that time, and 
Munich, I couldn't afford, so uh, the choice was Berlin. I mean, now the prices are gone ridiculously in, in Berlin, but five years ago it was still affordable. And uh, yeah, I had a good year there. I mean, watching the Alba, I think they played in the EuroLeague back then. Mm. You know, traveling also a bit around, and I went to to Spain to watch the Spanish national team practice, to Barcelona to watch Barcelona practice, and so on. Um, yeah, and then I could feel, but after like, uh, and I spent a lot of times with the people that that I love and, and couldn't spend t so much time before, like all the friends and family. I visited all of them; they came to visit me. So it was a great year for me, you know, to to recharge the batteries and after, after like three four months I felt okay I want to go back and um, so I started I think in in, uh, in February or March I started negotiating with uh, with Jena and a few other clubs but uh, for me uh, it was more important I could I could feel fear from the situation I had before um, that I want to go somewhere where I'm not only doing a job but where I have a social life where I have friends and family. My mother, she lives now in Weimar, which is 25 kilometers from, from Vienna. Two of my brothers, they, they live in Leipzig, that is 50 minutes to drive from here. So they're coming to the games. Um, I got a lot of friends here from my, from my school time and my playing time. And um, yeah, that's why, why I came back here. And, uh, that's why, why I stay here. <laughs> um. And then, as you seem to do whenever you go to the Pro A, the second division, you go up to the, <laughs> to the first division. Uh, so you got a stamp, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you know, no, took, you, yeah. took you one year, and then one year in NBC, and then, oh man, what took you so long and three years to get up to the Pro A? Yeah. Um, obviously, it, you know, the BBL is a very professional league, and, yeah. it's, and even the Pro A is getting very professional as well. Um, just you know, that is true. You know, the, the situation was much different because uh, I came back to Vienna not with a target to move right away up mm -hmm. to BBL. Yeah. It was not the club's target, not my own target. Our target, our goal was to really um, be much, become much more professional in the whole environment, like building the arena, building a practice gym, hiring youth coaches, hiring a, a full-time physiotherapist hiring assistant coaches and uh, when we said if, when we when we are on the BBL level with that then we can think about moving up to BBL but not like the one time before where we move up and then uh, we have to like talk about everything and, mm -hmm. and put everything in place because we don't have it so that was a complete different step how, how much did it mean then when you went up then in, in 2016 a lot because um, for, for different reasons, I mean, first of all, because it was planned, like in, uh, we could raise the budget for the team a little bit, and then we could add players, and then see which players don't work so much uh, uh, in, in the system, and uh, then we had the chance to sign McElroy and Guido Grunheit, and I mean, I, yeah, I played with Guido in the youth team, so he's my, my, my age, and He's a friend of mine, and we we worked together already at NBC, and now again, and uh, it was clear that it might be that might, it might be his last stage, and you know, that's where he comes from. So it was a great year to to have these guys, and it was a lot of fun, and uh, I really enjoyed the, that season. Yeah. And um, and then you have uh, Julius come on, Julius Jenkins. Uh, yes. He, 
And, uh, and then this past year, you also bring in uh, Derek. There again. Um, just getting all these uh, veterans. Um, I, I guess, you know, first of all, you know, they're, they're all over the news. Um, so, when was the last time you were older than every one of your players? <laughs> that is a, I think that was when I was a youth coach, huh? Must have been. I, I mean, I imagine like, probably uh, Pro A, you have some guys that, I mean, because you're, you're 30, you're 35 mm -hmm. now. McElroy's yes, on his third year with you guys, right? Yes, but we had Sasha Leutloff also back then. Yeah, so... Uh, I don't know if he's... I don't really know. It could be that there was one year where I was older. Yeah, it can be. You're right. But you, you, like you see, I don't, I don't really think about it. Yeah. And it's not, not really a matter to me. Also, like, a lot of people say, oh, is it, how can you deal with the older players? For me, it was always the easiest to deal with the older players. Uh, I would not say all the players, but like, I was a big fan of oh, yeah, yeah. I was a big fan of Jenkins and McElroy and Allen when they played together in Berlin. And when when we could when we had the possibility to sign McElroy, um, I thought it was a joke. And then uh, it turned out that that oh, I, I thought that we might not be able to afford it. But um, Mac is a very humble person, and, and um, he has to take care of his family. He got like four kids and for him it was only important to to have the chance from a German club to get a two-year contract mm -hmm. at, a, at a certain time and um, like it, I think it was May something and, and he wanted to have safety for his family and so uh, of course immediately we said of, of course we two years uh, definitely you know like uh, he's still such a great player and, um, the, 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 he's so so physical and so professional taking care of his body um, I mean he, he always went to where it hurts also so you could see that he, he had a lot of hits in his career but he's still a warrior and um, I think with him it was the start to get somebody like Jewish because Mackie felt really comfortable and you know and uh, he, 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 Jews, uh, I think also both wives were, were uh, both of the, of the wives of Mac and Jews, they communicated and uh, about about you know, and the situation and Mac said that, that everything is good you know and uh, then the same thing happened with Jews to, to Derek um, they were very good friends too and then mm. they're talking and, and now of course it's like <laughs> I always say it's a, it's a lot of fun to see these three grandpas you know <laughs> because they're joking around like like school kids <laughs> um, you know there's a lot of talk you know that you know veteran guys you know help you know young players um, you know looking at looking at your roster I mean yeah. you know you have um, you know Max you know, Ugrai has come over from Würzburg. Yeah. You know, he he, yeah. he he chimed at a at the at the youth level, youth level, and he's he's still trying to make it at the you know the next the next yeah. step. But yeah. you know, how how much and maybe more importantly, how did the how do guys like like Jenkins, McElroy, Allen, you know, these veteran guys, how do they help um, younger players? Mm, that is a very good question because that was maybe the most important thing for me, and it's why I think you cannot say this is an old player or this is a young player. I think it's always how he acts, how professional he is, you know, how humble he is, how supporting. Um, and, and all three of them, they have a great way 
to deal with with young with the young players. They're never frustrated about them. Uh, they always support them. They talk to them. They communicate. And we have a like we have a big youth program. And like I told you before, the the boarding school where I went to, and we have every day we have between uh, two and four. Uh, youth players in our practice, practicing with the team, because also, of course, we have to give uh, Mac and, and Julius, especially, we have to give them rest in, in the practices. And then uh, the young, the young kids are there, and then these these guys are doing a great job to them, like talking to them, and and I mean, it's not only it's not only the communication, it's also like the way they act. Uh, it's um, they 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 try to be. So first in the gym, um, Derek is a lot of times the last in the gym, mm. and it's just the the way how how serious they they take basketball and their work and how they deal with their body and I think they are just role models and this is the this is the reason why they still play uh, at that age and why they still play well at that age. So you you know you go into this year you know. It, Obviously, with these, you know, three veterans, you know, obviously they're very important yeah. players on your team. Yeah. You know, uh, Skyler, you brought in Skyler from Geeson, yeah. you know, um, and eventually you're gonna have to quote, you know, have to rebuild. You know, you know, uh, you know, you don't know how long these guys are gonna, you know, the three old days. Maybe kind of just looking ahead a little bit, you know, I think you guys, you know, you won a real important game uh, uh, over the weekend against Tübingen, who, you know, yeah. kind of just, you know, finally got their, their monkey off the back with their first victory. And, you know, it's, you know, we were talking before that, you know, that it is a pretty good team. Um, you know, with five victories, you're, 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 you're okay right now in the standings. Um, you know, obviously you're, you know, this season is still so young. Um, but, you know, there's, you know, there's a good, you know, there's three games, uh, that you're up from, from, from the relegation zone. Yeah. Maybe just in, uh, in general, the goal for this season, obviously, uh, you know, uh, it's probably going to be just to, to, to stay in the league, but, you know, uh, with that, then, you know, what do you guys want to accomplish in staying in the league as well? Well, I think, um, like I told you before, I was, uh, when, I, when I started coaching, um, I was always giving out goals and talking a lot about this. Um, it changed a bit for me because Especially when when you are in a in a situation, uh, you are, let's put it this way. I think you always have to um, adjust to the situation. And obviously, we are not a team that is competing for the championship, so we cannot say we want to win the championship. And um, also, not by nature or by the by the budget that we have, we can say, oh, we we have to compete. We have to compete for playoffs. Um, so, of course. Our, our main target and goal is um, to stay in the league for sure. Um, but it's it's not that that, that we say oh we gotta win I don't know twelve games for that. Now we have five and we need one more in the first round and then another six in the second round. That's not the case. I, I mean, I think if, if 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 you take your job serious and you respect it, then and this is what all the players do that we have. Then uh, you go to 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 each week and and and. and Try to win somehow the, the next game that you have. And, um, I think that we are better than we were last season, 
um, uh, obviously that show show the results, like especially against the top teams now Munich and and Bamberg. Mm. But of course, we uh, I think the the team is maybe uh, the league is maybe not as strong in, in, in on the top like it was last year, but it's, it is stronger and also on the lower teams and. We lost two games so far that we should have won with um, playing at Gießen, where we had no chance, and playing at Göttingen, where we had no chance. So, um, I mean, like we have these games if 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 we if we want to stay in the league. And like you said, the season is still long. Other teams winning, but you, you cannot do anything than just taking game by game and trying to to prepare as best as you can and, and trying to stay healthy yeah? that's a, that's the main point mm, and then, then getting these wins and we have now uh, we play on Saturday the day before Christmas at Berlin and then we still have um, in the first round at home we play at NBC and at Braunschweig and um, there's these there are three three games from these four that I think we have a 50-50% to, uh, chance to win them and we have to win some of them and uh, with Berlin having a game like of course nobody expecting something from us but uh, it was the same situation last year and uh, we could win in, like in the last minute by one point there so I think the, the players are very ambitious and um, but it's good because I don't have to push them to anything you know. and it sounds like it's like building up the club, you know, infrastructure, I mean, you know, getting, you know, what are some of the goals of this year? I mean, to, to add another sponsor, to, you know, yeah, you, know just, yeah. you know, what are some of the things that, that you as the club, you, you know, you guys as the club mm -hmm. are trying to look ahead to? Trying, trying to accomplish over the course of this season? Yeah, of course, uh, one, one target is to, to raise the budget. Um, and also to to keep a lot of players from this season for the next season. I think that will be like because identification is very very important also for the club. We got a couple of guys that are here you now for several years, and you could see that that the fans and especially the kids that they identify with these players. For me, it's always important that we have a very um, how we say it. it a team that is that is humble and um, that is staying on on earth on the ground and um, that the players, especially or instead of saying the coaches, that we don't think that we are something better than everybody else and um, that that we are role models for for the for the youth players, uh, not only in the way of playing but also in the way of behavior. Mm. And I think for that we we have this this year. I think we did a good job, like with the, with the characters that we have. Maybe it's it's like character-wise, I would say maybe the best team I ever coached. Um, and then uh, like facility-wise, we just opened like we built the arena, and then we built the practice gym, and there was some space in between. And now we just opened up a new building that connects both buildings. There's now an like a own physiotherapy in there, like our physiotherapist from last season, um, he opened that that thing up, and um, then we have a new weight room in there. We got new locker rooms in there. Then we have a new office for the youth coaches in there. So that was a, another big step. And then the 
this was uh, maybe the most important thing now for this season. And then we will sit down and discuss, discuss the next thing. So that will be important. Yeah, one thing that the uh, team doesn't need to worry about is is a coach now. Uh, <laughs> you know, as, as, a, as a journalist, um, you might call this bearing the lead, um, you know, talking about the, the main reason why I wanted to bring you on. Like I said, and I think that, that you know, we've talked about, you know, the... the you know, being such a young uh, coach, and, and and you know some of the you know some of the things that go around it. Um, yeah. So the club announced this week that that you have a permanent contract with them. You know. Yeah. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anything like this. I, mean, I guess you could maybe say Pops. You know, uh, Popovich might have a permanent yeah. contract. You know, as, as long as he wants to coach and you know, something like that. Um, but you know, this isn't something that you really you know see here at all in any sport. So, what did you think when they when they first came came to you with it with the idea? Well, we're talking about it now for a longer time. Like, how will the future be and how is the, the, the path that we're going and um, I mean for me like I told you before it, it's I want to I want to like at the, not thinking about being somewhere else and only here and uh, I think that um, well let's put it this way the, the GM Lars Eberlein like, he's also a very ambitious person I think he's the main reason that uh, we have basketball on that level in Jena he was the main reason to build the arena and that's how, how everything started and we both we connect very well like we have we have the same goals and we we we, we try to you know it's not that, that me or him said it's not him saying look we, we need to go to playoffs now and it's not me saying uh, we, we need to double the budget otherwise I leave or something like this it's always going step by step and we make little steps and now showed that that this is the right way for Jena. And I think if something is working well and if, if you like each other and mm, uh, you, what, why should you stop it? And um, we, we we didn't like. I mean, we could have talked about a one-year contract. Uh, like we uh, seriously, we're not really talking. We're not going like uh, we have to make a contract to that day or so. Um, or we really shake our hands and. Um, we have a deal, and, and that's it, mainly. But um, of course, I was I was uh, like really honored when he came to me and, and and told me that this this might be his idea. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I didn't think for a second. I said, if you want to do it, I want to do it too. So um, yeah, and then it went off quite fast. Last week we talked again shortly at the at the Christmas party we had with the team, and then. Everything was fine. So, was there uh, a reaction but, uh, from everybody? Well, the players congratulated me the next day. That was really nice, um, and uh, it was also like very important for me, you know, to to see that that they acknowledged it, and, and also, of course, family and friends congratulated me. And now, of course, yesterday at the game, um, like I could see that I was happy about it. Of course, that the fans like it, obviously too. So, I mean, I think it's it's like you said before. You don't hear that usually, and um, I think it's it's good to try something different, also trust-wise, in, in in these times, you know. And it it makes you thinking about the 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 whole thing, and not only about yourself all the time. You know?
and it seems to just also give you a, a little bit of freedom of, of you know just ease your mind and not have to worry about anything it's not like you're necessarily worrying about contract or anything like that but just you know that that you guys are everybody in the in the places on yeah. the same line you know oh uh, definitely i mean like still i i don't have my own family so i have no big responsibilities and it's uh, so i'm not afraid if, if something is over or, um I, i think like you know but for somebody else it might be more difficult uh and and especially for coaches if you have one-year contracts um say with the players but um Still, I was like, when, when you now when the season starts and you you, th you start negotiating and thinking about how it continues, of course, it's something that that is on your mind, and maybe you have a have a night where you don't sleep that that good as usual, and something is always there in the in the back of your head. And so, of course, I was happy with now having everything done, you know, and just focusing on the season and on the games and not. Uh, It's it's you know it's not like that you that I think always about but it's also other people coming and asking what is how does it continue and what is the situation so it's always energy that you leave on that and uh, so I'm really happy that that we signed it and and everything is fixed now. All right, fantastic. Um, youngest coach in the history and uh, probably the first one to ever get a permanent contract. Uh, Baron Hobson, thanks a lot. Appreciate it. Uh, Thank you, Dave. I wish you Merry Christmas. Yeah. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. And as they say Thank in Germany, a good slide into 2018. That's true, yeah. You too, yeah. <laughs> and uh, we'll see you down the road for sure. Thank you. Definitely. Okay. Um, yeah, a very interesting story, Yena in general. And, you know, they've been able to produce some youth, some, some, some talented young players. Uh, and I could just, you know, only imagine what some of those young guys are, are learning from the likes of Mac, um, uh, Mac, uh, McElroy and, and Julius Jenkins and uh, Derek Allen. I mean, these guys are have been in the league probably, if you put them all together, you know, well over 30 years in one league. You know, they're, they're considered institutions in German basketball. Uh, them along with uh, Ricky Polding up in Oldenburg, whereas Polding's kind of stayed in Oldenburg. You know, these guys have kind of been uh, moving around a little bit, and uh, so. But you know, great story, and and uh, and happy for for the club, happy for uh, Coach Bar uh, Harmson, and um, you know, it's a it's a it's it's an interesting story, and I think that that the that Yena, you know, have a a base there you know they're not going to be a yearly team necessarily but they can be a competitor for um you know for to to knock off a team in the in the in the playoffs maybe two maybe in two three years or something like that if they can continue to develop and you, know, you just look at the pedigree that he's kind of put together and uh you know you just have to be impressed and look forward to to seeing what he does in the future at yena because right now he's not going anywhere <laughs> Uh, all right, so with that, I think I'm going to let you go. Uh, last thing I need to do is let you know what you're going to be listening to. Uh, the song is called Blow Up Santa, um, and uh, it's by CC Mixter. It's available on freemusicarchive.org. Uh, so next time I talk, it'll be after Christmas. So for, for those celebrating, Merry Christmas. Um, and 
Sorry for those uh, celebrating Hanukkah. I don't know if if Hanukkah will be by then or not. Um, if it is, happy Hanukkah. Um, in general, everybody have a great week. Uh, we will talk to you next week. Um, I'm sure there's some good NBA uh, games on Christmas Day, uh, and I'm sure some of the leagues here in Europe and whether we'll be playing games on the 26th, Boxing Day. Uh, so we will talk to you next week and, and enjoy the week of basketball and, and, and Merry Christmas. And uh, take care. I'd like to pop your blow up Santa. I'd like to bury it in the snow. Why don't you just put up a string of light? You don't have to put on a show. I don't remember you asking me if I want to look at that or listen to the music pump. I'd like to pop that sucker flat. I know I'm not the arbiter of taste But do you know that yours is bad? Maybe I should just knock and talk it out But I don't wanna make you mad Maybe your kitties derive some joy From plastic that we never had and you listen to Taking Charge.